Hello, and welcome to Cross Life Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. We pray that this message from our lead pastor, Chester Passmore, will encourage and challenge you in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cross Life Church on the uh, 29th day of March. It is 6.30 p.m., and we are having church today. Uh, one of the reasons we're doing it tonight at 6.30 is because uh, last Sunday, many of you experienced a lot of issues with the Internet lagging and, and, and skipping and doing all that kind of stuff. What do they call it? Buffering? Buffering. It buffered a lot. There was much buffering to be found yes, last Sunday morning. And so... We realized that a bunch of churches in the area are doing that and people on. So we thought, well, let's have church on Sunday night because kind of, in a way, all the rules have been thrown out the window for yeah. church. So <laughs> let's just do it Sunday night only. And uh, pretty much we're liking this so far in the first minute. We're liking it so much we're going to skip to uh, church forever at night, Sunday night only. So <laughs> yes, maybe maybe not. Also, you can watch it on YouTube. If you're watching on like a smart TV or whatever, hop on YouTube. It should be live on there if everything's working right. And you can make it in the big screen and gather around. And Just search Cross Life Church yeah. and you can find it there. And uh, so come, some things to make it interactive. Now, I just want to say this. Before we get really started, <clears throat> we live in a world where... Uh, you, you watch videos that are like two minutes long, and you're like, man, this video is forever, all right? And so we're trying to figure out a way to bring church into your living room, and it's going to take longer than two or three minutes. And so uh, show a little bit of perseverance and staying with us and, you know, not skipping 5,000 things. Can you watch Facebook Live sermon and not have to scroll through Facebook the entire time. That's what we want to know. But anyway, you do it at church, so it really doesn't matter. So anyway, I'm kidding. But um, So do that. But another thing that makes it better is interaction. So you can be interactive. Here's some cool things to do. Like, I, like Matt said, you can put it on your TV in your living room. Take a picture of your family sitting around watching the service right now. Post it in the comments. Ask questions. Say amen. Um, uh, in a little while, we're going to do prayer requests. Go ahead and begin to put those prayer requests out there. And uh, just if whatever you want to do. Hey, I'm here with my kids watching and all that kind of stuff. Anything your kids might say that was funny. Uh, we had one kid last week. There's a picture where they were, you know, during prayer time. Mama took a picture. They were laying down there praying with their hands like this. And that was really cool. We had another kid today. This is, this is the best thing I've heard ever. Christy Black's daughter. I think it was Ellie maybe. or is, Was it Ellie? Anyway, one of them, uh, Christy said, I'm not sure if she was joking or being serious. She's like, in half an hour, I'm preaching in the living room, so y'all better God be out here and listen. And Ellie said, that's okay, Mom. I'll be having children's church in my room. <laughs> so, uh, Points so, for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus loves the sarcastic people, all the little children of the world. Amen. So, uh, no, that, that's fantastic. But so, that's, so make it interactive as possible. Like, share. If you want to go ahead and share all this stuff, get, invite your friends. Don't know how many churches are having church at 6 30 tonight, but we're going to do that. So, as far as the prelim preliminaries go, we want to, real quickly, before we do anything else, we want to say uh, very much how proud we are and congratulations to uh, Victor and Saved Marbari, who just got married this weekend on Friday night. And so, congratulations. We are, we are saying uh, congratulations to them. Hopefully, they're watching. 
Y'all can all give them a thumbs up. And there's some pictures on Facebook where we had a nice community wedding outside when social distance. Lots of distance. Lots of distance. <laughs> so, uh, one more thing before we get jump any farther. Uh, Chad, run down here real fast. Come here, run down there. Uh, um, Mr. T and uh, Wesley are in the back. And uh, y'all run out here real, real fast. Real, real fast. Run Come out, out here, here, guys. And, and get on the camera. Hurry up, Chad. Run down here. So we got Chad, we got myself, we got Matt, we got Mr. T, one, two, three, <laughs> one, two, three, Mr. T, and Wesley. Wesley and Mr. T are either, there they, they come. come. And so come up here, run them up here in the front where everybody can see you. Come up here in the front. All the guys, all the guys, they are, so y'all wait with the camera. Y'all wait, the men are getting church done tonight. So come on. anyway, y'all, thank you very much. Appreciate Give these guys that. a hand. Give them a thumbs up. Give them a, a, a blessing. There's Mr. T. There's Wesley. All right. So uh, we want to thank them for coming out and doing that. Matt and I are six metric feet apart. And so we're doing that thing. Uh, so anyway, that's the metric system, not the imperial Metric system. system. Yeah. Six so, meters, yeah, something right. like that. Six meter feet. As right. we get started tonight, um, we're going to later on in, in the service, we're going to be taking, uh, or not taking, but praying over your needs. And we want to be really specific tonight. So if you'll just, as we're going through the service tonight, if you'll just hit them up on Facebook, um, you can text them to me, message them, whatever way you want to get them to me. Um, just put them in there. And then we're going to pray about those things. We want to you know, uh, we want it to feel like, hey, we're in your living room and we're praying for you. We can't get to your guys' houses and pray for you right now, so we want to be in that moment. So as we're just going through the night, just do it. And so later on when we're praying over them, I'll scroll through and look and see what's going on. And, and like you said, as we're, as we're talking tonight, and, and what we've kind of got some really cool stuff tonight we want to discuss, but we want it to be interactive. We want you guys to do what we don't want you to do on a Sunday morning, which is just say what you want to say, like jump it out. And I'm going to try to keep track of those. I'm going to be looking at my computer a lot and, and asking those if you got questions or comments. Comments, shoot them out there, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them and do that. So it'll be good. Yeah. So uh, so kind of the order of the service tonight is we're going to start with a word of prayer, then we're going to kind of get into the word, and then at the end uh, we'll do some prayer requests, and I might jump on the keyboard and we might do a song or two to to send us off for the week. But um, you know, I hope you guys are taking seriously the charge of being the spiritual leaders in your home right now. Um, we're going to talk about some of this stuff tonight, but it is vastly important that you understand without a pandemic, without what we're doing right now in these, in these crisis times, but it is vastly important that you understand the role of leading your home in the way of the Lord and, and, and being a spiritual guidance and a spiritual leader of your home, the priest of your house, and you the one who are teaching your children and taking them through communion and talking to them about the scripture and talking to them about God, showing them how to pray, showing them how to read the word. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that it's not a scary thing as pastors. And this is not something, this is this is an indictment against the modern church. It's a scary thing as pastors worrying about, in a sense, of are our people grounded enough spiritually as individuals that they can go through this season of abstinence without the church gathering and come out on the other side, not just weak, but, you know, at least healthy and maybe even stronger, okay? The president just a few minutes ago extended the uh, the guidelines for self 
distancing and all that kind of stuff through April the 30th. It's looking like we're not going to have uh, corporate gatherings for at least another month. And, it, and, and I'm hoping that you haven't so found yourself in a system of Christianity where you're so rutted in needing the Sunday morning experience as your lifeline for your relationship to God. If that is the case, that, that's a scary thing that the church has created a codependency in that way. And so we're going to be talking about some of those things tonight. And um, but, but first, let's just, let's just open up a word of prayer. But I really want you, I, again, don't just think, you know what, I'll watch it later, or that kind of stuff. Get your family, get them together, and sit around the couch, and sit around the living room, and, and pay attention uh, for the next few minutes, okay? But let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you tonight for the privilege it is to assemble together. God, I miss meeting with these people. I miss it deeply. I'm, I, I, I'm, part of me is grieved that I don't get to see these people week in. My brothers, my sisters, my friends, my family, I don't get to see them week in, week out. God, I miss that interaction with them. But at the same time, I am thankful that there is this thing that binds us together called the Spirit of God that we are in unity through the Spirit, that right now as we pray together, as we get into the Word and say the Word together, as we, as, as we worship together, God, that even though we're separated, even though we're at distance apart, God, we can still be closely connected by the Spirit of God. And so such a marvelous, wonderful thing you've given this, 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 this Holy Spirit that brings us together. And so we thank you for that opportunity. I pray that you would move right now in people's homes, that you would open the ears and open their eyes to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so as you have your Bible ready out in your living room, you have your Bible or wherever you're, if you're traveling, whatever you're doing, Exodus chapter 12. I want you to, to uh, open up the word to Exodus chapter 12. Now, let me set this up. This is the story of the instruction for Passover. And Passover starts, I believe, next Tuesday. I think it's 10 days, something like that. And so Passover is coming up, and this is something that we celebrate every year. This is leading up to Resurrection Sunday, Easter. This is leading up to um, around the world, around the entire globe. People are beginning to talk about and think about as we approach Passover, as we approach Easter, they're thinking and talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the, Pas the Passover story in Exodus chapter 12 is the story where the children of Israel are, a, are captive under Pharaoh in Egypt. They've been slaves for over 400 years, okay? And God is, has, has sent Moses, and Moses is saying, let my people go, and uh, Pharaoh has refused, and now they're at the end of Pharaoh's refusal, and God is about to show himself strong, and there's this Passover. There's a death angel that's going to be released upon, upon Egypt, and then, uh, and so the instruction of how they're going to be delivered from that and ultimately delivered out of bondage is coming. Now, before I go any further, here's what I want to say. I don't want to be insensitive to what we're experiencing with, with, with the virus. I don't want to equate what God did there as God is sending a plague upon America. I, I don't believe that, okay? 
I, I believe Jesus took the curse in his body on the cross. And I don't think he's sending the, the coronavirus on people to punish them, okay? That's my opinion. I feel pretty strongly about that, okay? What I am saying, though, is there's parallels in this story that I want to draw out to where we currently are in the church, in the body of Christ, in this time period. And, and, and as I draw these parallels out, as I'm liking them to what we're going through now, I don't want to be insensitive to people who are experiencing loss. We know people, you know people, we know people who, are, who have the virus and who are recovering and we're praying for them. And so I don't want to be insensitive to that, but I want to try to say on it as a spiritual allegory, as a spiritual, um, just a, kind of a, a sign, if you will, this is what I've, I feel like God is showing me and talking to me about, and I want to share those things with you, okay? So here we are, Exodus. And I'm going I'm to move over to the chalkboard and show you something, okay? We start with this period in the timeline. And this is Joseph. I'm going to call him Joe just for, just for short, okay? Joseph comes to Egypt. He's had a dream. He has been given a dream about a famine that's coming. He comes to Egypt by way of, of being sold into slavery. That's a whole other message. His brothers betray him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he is sent by God into Egypt to be the deliverance, if you will, for the people of Israel, okay? Egypt becomes E-G-Y-P-T. Is that correct? That's perfect. Okay. Way to go. Okay. Egypt becomes, if you will, this incubator for a nation. When Joseph comes, I think he ends up coming with like, was it 70 people, something like that? 70 or 75. 70 yep. or 75. We're just going to say 70 people. At the end, whenever they come out of Egypt, they're coming out with, well, I'm just going to call it this. A lot. <laughs> sand. Why sand? Because the scripture talks about how they were so numerous, they were like the sand on the shore. You couldn't, you couldn't count them all, okay? So they come in with 70. They come out of Egypt like sand. That, the, the, it's, 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 they've been made into a great nation of people. It's one of the reasons that they foresaw to oppress the Israelites was because they saw how they were multiplying, and they were like, these people will rise up and come against us if we don't oppress them in slavery, okay? And so this period of time is roughly 400 years, the captivity in Egypt. It started as a way that God preserved Israel. It started as a way where Joseph brought his fathers and his brothers, and, and by the end of it, they moved to Egypt. And what, what was a very good thing to begin with turned into a systematic form of slavery that at the end of this thing, when people left Egypt, when people, when this generation was coming into the deliverance and coming out of Egypt, this was the only lifestyle they had known for multiple generations, okay? And so it, they didn't know any different. They didn't understand Joseph's coming there. They just knew slavery and bondage and oppression, so what started out as a way to preserve a nation, Israel, what started out as a way to keep a, a, a people, 
it became over time systematically bondage, okay? That's going to be important for our story. So where are we at in, right now in this timeline is right here at the end, and the way that they come out of Egypt is through the Passover. Now, let's just start drawing some parallels between where we are, what we're experiencing, and the, the Passover story. I think you're going to find it pretty fascinating. So I'm going to start in verse 3, Exodus 12. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Let's stop. I cannot remember a time in history that I've been alive 39 years where the individual home has been more emphasized than it is right now. Go home, stay home, do family. Everybody's like, this is great. We're going to spend lots of time together. Family's going to be united, all this kind of stuff. And it's true. There was an emphasis right off the bat of every person is responsible for their own household. The dictate came from the leadership, but the ability to fulfill it was completely up to the household on its, on its own. So, so the Israel's governmental leaders, they're, they're, saying they're, they're giving this order, but they don't have the power to fulfill the order. They're counting on the heads of the homes to do what they're being instructed to do. And we're seeing an emphasis right now on heads of households, whether, whether you're the father of a, of a family uh, that's a healthy family, whether you're a, a single mom or a single dad and you're raising kids, whether you're a grandma and your grandpa and you're raising kids, whatever the dynamic is of your home, we're seeing the emphasis on heads of ho- homes and households being responsible for the spiritual well-being, the physical well-being, the virus will be, you know what I'm saying? We're seeing the responsibility placed on heads of households to manage their family well in this moment, okay? It says, if the household is too small for the lamb, uh, let him and his neighbor next to his house. So the idea is, is take care of your house and then if you know your neighbor is in need and, and they're just one person or two people over there, take care of your neighbor. Jesus has this commandment. It's like love God, love other people. He has this commandment where it's, it's, it's something to the effect of love thy neighbor, okay? And so here we are with this concept of you as a spiritual household, take care of yourself and then also take care of your neighbor, all right? So uh, take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's needs, you shall make count for the lamb. Keeps on, verse five, your lamb will be without blemish. Now, what is the without blemish lamb? Jesus. That's right. That's right. You can't go wrong with Jesus, all right? So we understand that Jesus became our Passover lamb. We understand that it's his blood that we're applying to the doorposts of our life. We understand that he was the only spotless, spotless lamb that was worthy to be sacrificed for the death angel could, would pass by and that, that we would not have to experience the wrath of our sin, okay? So we're assuming y'all know that, you know what we, I'm saying? We've never understood until this circumstance the concept of the household. Like, yeah. we've never thought about that. Like, yeah, every, and, and there was times that if your neighbor was too small of a household, they'd work together with that. But, like, we've never, 
We've never thought about that. That's never been as real as it is today when you realize you can't come to church, when you realize you can't, you know, you can listen to sermons and all those things, but you can't get into a, a Sunday routine. And so this is just highlighted so amazingly. And I really want to just, I want to say this in love. I want to I wanna, I wanna drive this point home. Moms and dads, heads of households, you, we cannot afford to just sit back and not do our duty right now not do our job spiritually in our home right now. You can't afford to be the husband or the wife or the, the, head, ho- the head of the household that, that, that I'm too shy to pray. I'm too, I'm like, this is a time we must rise up and govern our homes effectively, spiritually. Your kids need to hear your voice praying. Your kids need to hear that you have been in the word. Your kids, your kids need to hear as you instruct them and talk to them about what's going on and how there are real, actual faith answers in Jesus. They need to hear your voice talking about these things, okay? This week, didn't somebody text you this week and they're like, how do, how do I do communion in my home? And like, you know, you were able to put us, but, but I love that. I love that people are going, hey, we're going we're gonna to reach out and go, how do, how do we do this? Like, what does it look like on a really practical level to make that happen? You can find that instructional video on the Facebook page. But, you know, this morning, I mean, just while we're talking about it, this morning we ate breakfast, uh, my family, all five of us sit down, we ate breakfast, um, we got done with our bacon and our eggs and our muffin, and, and, and we decided to do communion at the table. So we didn't have grape juice. We were not going to Walmart to buy grape juice for <laughs> communion. You know so we took our coffee. I got some coffee here. We took our coffee. Everybody had coffee, and we took a little bit of that homemade banana nut bread, unleavened. Well, not really, but you know. So we took, and, and so we, we took there, and I'm telling you, listen, this is where, this is where I'm going to get to. As I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking, okay, I have to have little bitty containers for the for the plastic cup. You have to. You can't have very large amount. I got to have a little piece of bread, and then all of a sudden, here's here's here. Listen to me. The rules are being broken. The uh, the traditions are being thrown out the window. We're having today for the first time in my life. I'm having church without any people, a video camera. I'm having church with no people at 6.30 at night on a Sunday night. Didn't have church that morning. I took communion with coffee and banana nut bread. It's a weird day. And it was, yeah, and it was extremely <laughs> spiritual. Like all the little traditions, I'm not saying communion the tradition. I'm saying that it has to be a small cup. It has to be Welch's grape juice. It has to be, a, you know, the, the plastic wafer that tastes like styrofoam. You see what I'm saying? Like all these Boxes are being exploded out of necessity, and we're figuring out we can actually do church in ways we never thought possible. And so we did that. And I went around the table, and I said, Chad, what does the blood mean? Hannah, what does the body mean? Lexi, tell me about, uh, tell me about the sacrifice of Jesus. Missy, what, pray. Everyone we went around the table. We all prayed over everybody. Chad prayed for people who were sick with the virus. Lexi, we just went and prayed and everything. I prayed for Jonesboro, who had the tornado. We just spent time at the table praying. Then we went outside, sat on the front porch, took a guitar, and we sang a couple of worship songs. This is not a time for me, Dad, to be going, you know what, let's just let whoever on TV lead my family. Let's let Carrie Job lead my worship. I love Carrie Job. Let's let Bill Johnson preach to my, I, I, I do all those things. But it's never been more important for Dad and Mom to sit in front of your children 
and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Well, it's shaking us because you have to realize, like, you're having to go, what, is, what do I have to give to my children? Can I, I can't depend on, on, on Miss Jackie to, to produce a lesson. I can't pretend on that. So I'm having to go, okay, what am I hearing from God? As just a father in my home, what am I hearing from God from my children? Why isn't there the prophetic in our homes? Why aren't people, you know, speaking over and declaring? And why aren't you teaching your kids that miracles can occur in your home, that the Spirit of God can show up in your living room just as much as it can show up in a building? At the end of this chapter, chapter 12, Exodus Here's one of the reasons they instituted the Passmore as a year Passmore Passover as a yearly tradition, if you will. It says this, verse twenty-five. It'll come to pass when you come to the land of the Lord, which will which will give you as He promised. You shall keep this service Passover, and it shall be when your children say to you, "What do you mean by this service Passover?" You shall say, "It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of e- of Israel in Egypt when He struck the Egyptians and delivered the households." So basically, this whole point of having Passover every year is to teach. Every generation, teach every age over and over and over again what God has done. The whole concept is to sit your family down and talk to them and to, as the head of the households, to demonstrate the gospel, to show what God has done, to teach them the things that God has instructed. So I don't know if we can overemphasize right now the idea of spiritual heads of homes taking authority. That's not just, that's not just some kind of vague concept of like, I just pray over my home. It's, it's, it's that and taking authority by teaching, by demonstrating, by laying hands on, by, by, by doing all the different things. You can, uh, uh, mom and dad, you're the pastor of your house right now. Mom or dad, the oldest daughter, you're the prophet of your home right now. Father, you're the teacher of your home right now. You, are, you, you have to be the five-fold ministry of your house right now. You cannot depend upon virtual leadership doing what you were always designed to do. It is imperative that you lead your home in godliness and, and, and instructing them, teaching them right now. So I think we've made that point pretty clearly. Tasha, Tasha Green talked about on here. She mentioned that you know, it's the idea of we're getting out of our comfort. We're getting out of our comfort zones in this deal. Like even if you've not, like even if you're like, man, I haven't done this before. My kids are going to think it's weird if I'm like, let's do communion at dinner time. Like who cares? Like yeah. start today. Yeah. Make that happen. And everybody's like, well, Chester, this is a preacher. You're used to doing this. No, no, no. The hardest thing to do is to sit with my family yeah, and, having to, and, and having to preach to them and talk to them and teach them. Why? Because I have to live what I say in front of them. I don't have to live in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all, y'all don't see me. And so I'm, I'm, there's more accountability to what I'm teaching. My, and, and so, you see what I'm saying? And so, it, there's some level, like she's saying, of discomfort for everybody. Let's just move on. Verse 7. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So the blood, obviously, is the blood of the lamb. In our scenario, what we're having to do is apply the blood to the doorpost of our house. By the way, who's supposed to do that? Call the preacher. Call the pastor. It's not us. No, you're the preacher. You're the pastor. Call the head of the home. You're supposed to apply the blood of Jesus to your home. Well, what is the blood of Jesus? 
let's just, let's just talk about that. They shall, verse 8, they shall eat the flesh on that night. Jesus said this thing while he was on the earth. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody got freaked out, right? He is referring to himself being the Passover lamb. His flesh is the teaching. This Passover yearly experience is the teaching of what God has done and is going to do. This is the first one, okay? So it is your job to apply the blood to your household. How? By applying the teachings of Jesus to your home. By instructing them. And, and applying the teaching looks like literally teaching and looks like literally demonstrating. It's not just sitting there, sitting there having a Bible study, but it's also demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit to your wife whenever you and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit to your kid when you've been cooped up for several days and everybody's getting on your nerves. It's demonstrating the teachings of God. It's teaching and demonstrating, okay? So that's how, that's how we apply the blood. It's through demonstration. It's through teaching. It's, it's, it's more than just, hey, guys, let's listen to a good sermon. It's I'm going to teach you something. Let's do this. So that makes sense. If I, if, if I talk to my kids in this time about um, Jim Parrish's message on kindness, then I'm going to hold my family accountable to kindness as, we, as we're doing this thing or, or, or whatever it is. So, so they shall eat the flesh. So uh, verse 10 you shall let none of it remain until morning. Verse 11, thus you shall eat it. Here's how, you're supposed to, here's how they're supposed to eat it. They're supposed to kill this lamb. They're supposed to prepare it, eat it all. What they don't eat, they're supposed to burn. And they're supposed to eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Su- here's the thing. Is we're all quarantined, we're all staying at home, but we're not living like we're going to stay at home for the rest of our life. We're supposed to be preparing for something that when this is over, we come out of bondage, we come out of, of Egypt, and we come into a promised land. We have to pass through the wilderness, but we're coming into something, and we're supposed to come out of this prepared. Here's a danger, is that we wake up, 30 days, 45 days, whatever it is. We wake up from this thing and it's all over and you come out of your home unprepared, not even just unprepared, but set back because you didn't leave your home. Just hoping to go back to church as normal, but literally spiritually you have taken a step back because you didn't get daily in devotion. You didn't teach your family. You didn't lead your home. You didn't lead your, lead your children. You didn't lead your, lead your spouse. You, you, you actually took a step back because you, you thought it was important to veg out on as many Netflix shows as possible and then, and then say, I didn't read my Bible. Say, I didn't, I didn't pray. How is it that we are have the most free time you've ever had that you don't have the time to get in the Word? You don't have the time to pray. I'm telling you, I cannot stress the importance of Enough that you have got to consecrate yourself to God in preparation for a deliverance of the house of God. You've got to consecrate. You must be praying. You must be worshiping. You must be studying the scripture. And you must be pastoring, teaching, evangelizing, apostling, uh, profiting. You must be doing the work of the ministry in your own home. It is preparation time. And so I need you to, to take on that responsibility tonight. 
on a level that we never have. I'm talking to myself on a level we never have before. You know, it, uh, Pastor Matt Mueller, he's the pastor of the house here in El Dorado, and he was talking about like, and he, he's the same thing as Chester said. It's not like you're downplaying what's happening, but there's also a hope and an excitement of what could the church look like coming out of this thing. If people step into this concept of Passover, people understand and they're preparing their hearts and they're taking this time, they're consecrating themselves, they're digging into this thing, what could it look like? It's, just, it's a phenomenal thought. So we move on. Verse 13 says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you, and I will strike the land of Egypt. Again, again, I don't want you to literally take this as the idea that God is striking the land with some kind of plague, but I want you to take away from that statement that there is power in applying the blood to your life. And again, and applying the blood to the, 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 the house, the doorposts of your family. So there's power in doing that. That's not simply just a, a vague prayer of God. We come, you know, we trust your blood. Come, we come underneath the blood. That is a literal intercession and all that, plus adding to it the teachings of Jesus, the demonstration of, of the teachings of Jesus in your home. Okay, so. Don't just pray a prayer, God, protect us by your blood, but actually apply the teachings and the blood of Jesus to your lives and to your home right now. Um, moving on, Here, verse, verse 15, seven days you shall eat of the unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. Jesus taught us that leaven is symbolic of sin. When he talks about the Pharisees, he talks about the, the leaven of of uh, unbelief. He talks about the leaven of, of, of pride or people having to see who you are, the hypocrisy. You say you're one thing, but you're a different thing. Leaven is, is symbolic of sin, and, and they would prepare for Passover by getting all the leaven out. Now, I don't know about you, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, dog on my wife at all, but my house has not been this clean in a long time. It's amazing <laughs> what a virus will do whenever you want to scrub down everything and make sure that it's spick and span, you know what I'm saying? And so the house is clean. The virus is causing us to clean on a level in the natural. Now, I want to teach you something. I've always heard this my entire life growing up, that when we see things being worked out in the natural, it's a sign of what God is doing in the spiritual. What And, and, and the, the natural follows the spiritual, not the spiritual follows the natural. So I'm saying God has been talking to us for a while now about about. Uh, of cleaning, our pure-heartedness, uh, the, the beatitudes, these kind of things. And so here we are naturally cleaning our homes like crazy. You know, uh, Clorox wipes, we're, we, you know, we're, we're, I mean, it's just, you're, you're freaks out there cleaning everything, which is good. Keep on doing that, okay? But my point is, is that in, in the Passover, it was go home and go through every area of your house and make sure there's no unle- there's no leaven, there's no sin. Clean, 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 clean. Okay. This was Psalm 51. This was David, but with his prayer yes. of repentance. This was, you know, verse seven is purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. clean. Yeah. That's that concept. And so he goes on to say. Um, so you shall remove all leaven from your house, all the sin. I'm telling you, I, and, I, and, and to many people, Chester, you're being judgmental. No, no, if you're sitting at home watching really um, questionable material on television, binge watching because you got nothing better to do, but you're not dealing with your home, the sin in your house, I, you're going to wake up when this thing's over and, you're, and your household's going to be unprepared. 
That's too hard? No. I mean, you have to, I think, I, I find myself, I find myself, there's conversations I used to could have I'm not having anymore because I'm afraid of how I'm going to judge other people in this season. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's, I, I'm, I'm seeing myself, I'm protecting the standard. I'm protecting the cleanliness in the same way that I'm not going to uh, just uh, invite 25 people over to my house to infect my home right now. You see what I'm saying? In the same way that I'm not going to say, oh, you went and got tested for the virus yesterday. Yeah, it's probably fine. Come in the house. Let's just have a good party. I'm not allowing those things in the natural. Why would I allow those things in my soulless realm and in the spiritual realm and affect my home when, when it's, it's about cleanliness in all areas? Uh, what is the beatitude? Pure heart shall see God. What's this look like? Like, what's this... You know, uh, like I'm thinking, it, it's the, it's the asking God. It's going, God, what is in my heart? You know, and I think it's two sides. It's also the idea you're all gathered together, and there can be some stuff that's going to like start to kind of work its way to the top that maybe in the business of life we could ignore. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's like those things kind of work in the top, and so you're kind of dealing with those. But you're also going, God, what what are you seeing in my life? Like, what is it? Dave was just like, you know, search me, yeah. know me, God, see what's going on. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. This is an examination time. Again, this is preparation time. Jesus, in the New Testament, at the end, when he's about to be crucified, he has the triumphal entry, okay? He has the triumphal entry. He's coming into Jerusalem, and as he's coming in, people are laying down their palm branches, and they're saying, Hosanna, great, uh, blessed he who come in the name of the Lord. I, I believe this is Matthew 21, 22, something in there, Okay? As soon as Jesus comes in, in the triumphal entry, the first thing he does, what is about to happen? He's about to go to the upper room. He's about to have Passover, right? He's prepared. He, matter of fact, he tells him, go get me a donkey and go secure a room for Passover. And then he goes, first thing he goes is to the temple. He, he takes the whip and he removes all the money changers, and he removes all, all the, the sales stuff, and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The first thing he does is he cleanses the temple. He cleanses the temple. You, we, we must understand that right now your home is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse your home. I, again, I don't want to get legalistic and say, you know, but I am saying it's not just what you watch and what you listen to and, 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 and what you talk about. It's literally the attitudes of your heart. It's go lay how you're living next to the beatitudes and see, God, where do I need to come in line with your word, okay? Verse 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel, that's the doorpost, with the blood that's in the basin, and none of you are to go out of your house until morning. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. <laughs> Apply the blood, go in your home, and don't come out. Okay? I'm telling you, that it's striking how many things. There's one part where it says, don't go to work for seven days. How many people are having a hard time? I mean, I mean I'm not trying to make a lot of these situations. It was like this sense of the nation shut down and prepared for God to move in deliverance. Here we are. Matt, talk about the doorposts and the, and the hyssop. Matt got some cool stuff on this. So it's interesting about the, about the hyssop. It's, a, it's a, 
like a plant type thing that they would apply the blood with. And it, it was used a number of times. This was the first mention of it when it came to Passover. But also the priest used it in the, the Levitical priesthood would use it in the cleansing of like lepers and that kind of concept. And then obviously later with Jesus, when they lifted up the, the wine, it was on the hyssop branch. Here's what's cool about this that I, I just came across this in my research is the hyssop branch was, it was used medicinally and it was used for respiratory problems. Come on. Like how cool is that? Like that was the point of the hyssop branch. And so it's, it's just this tie in, like God's just pointing these things and saying, there's a connection here and it's seeing that message. So to explain it, like if you don't know, COVID-19 attacks your respiratory system. And so what he's saying is they would use that hyssop word, which they use medicinally to treat respiratory things going on in, in, in the body. And so I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot have worry. We can live in, in faith knowing that he's already applied the answer to every issue. But even deeper than the physical realm, let me, let me talk about that for a second. Because that hyssop in the respiratory, that's the spirit. Yeah. The word pneuma is a Greek word for spirit, and it means breath. And what we have is a system that's attacking the breath of people. Yeah. This is a spiritual attack, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. This is, this is a war against the world to crown the earth in fear, to attack the breath of the spirit that's moving on the earth today. Yeah. And I'm telling you, God has provided his blood, and he's also told you, I've got an instrument called hyssop that absolutely is perfect for the lungs of the church. Yeah. And, and so the, in, 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 on a spiritual level, you have got to watch what you say. Go back to my, my sermon last week. You have got to speak what the Spirit speaks because in the spiritual realm, COVID-19 is attacking the breath and the Spirit, the pneuma of the church. And it's by His blood that we will take and we'll, and we'll take that hyssop, the Word of God. I always thought the hyssop was the Word of God. The Word is Spirit-breathed. You can't have, listen to me, you can't have Grandma's Word for 2020. I'm not saying there's anything on that. You've got to have a now rhema, a pneuma word, a spirit-breathed word today for what God is saying to your family. And it's got to be released by the head of the home in your household, speaking what the word of God, applying the blood, saying what the word says. I'm telling you, you can prophesy over your house. You can take the word of God and you can intercede prophetically over your house. I'm telling you, it's the spirit word that's got to be released inside you and in your home right now. And they were striking it. The, the, the word there says they struck with the hyssop branch the blood against it. Like there was an intentionality. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't wax on, wax <laughs> off. It yeah. wasn't paint the door. It was, they would take it and they would beat the doorpost of their home. Yeah. yeah, there was an intentionality. And what's interesting about it is why the doorpost? Why the doorpost? So when those houses in that time were made like every other house was made, it was made with, with the mud and, the, and all that type of stuff. But the doorposts themselves were, were built with, with, with the rock and that type of thing. They stood. So if you go back and you excavate those cities in this time, you go back and you excavate in Egypt, they're not seeing the walls. They're seeing the doorpost. And so what God is doing is he's putting blood on the things that are going to stand. He's putting blood on the things that are going to last. And they would inscribe their names. The Egyptians were big about their names on stuff. They put their name on everything. And so they would inscribe even the Israelites, because you got to remember, these guys didn't know anything different. They were born in this time. This is what they knew. So they would inscribe their names and stuff on the doorposts, and God's going, I'm putting blood. The blood is greater than your name. The blood is greater than what you're doing in this situation, and this is the thing that's going to stand. Amen. And so, and so 
on the doorpost of your home, the namesake of your house, the identity of who you are as a family, apply the blood. Again, how do we apply the blood? What's that practically like? That's, that's by faith. That's by teaching. That's by demonstrating. That's by being the pastor and the spiritual priest of your home and doing the kingdom in your living room, in your house. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and, and the, the word, word of, of the te- testimony. And, and doing it, doing it, doing it. Okay. So there's all these similarities. And we're, you know, how, how long how long have we been going? How long we need to go? 45 minutes. 45 minutes. <laughs> we started we started 45 minutes ago. The preaching didn't start until 10 yeah. minutes ago. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the question. What's church going to look like when all this is over? I'm going to say some stuff, and I don't have time to expound. I want you to chew on what I'm going to say. God's been talking to me about this for months. And when I say months, I'm being conservative. This actual Sunday, we were supposed to have a guest speaker, uh, Robert Gladstone, Dr. Robert Gladstone, who's supposed to speak, and he's he's written a book uh, called A Time to Build. Uh... I want everybody in our church to, to read this book. We were gonna, he was going to, you know, uh, make them available when he came, but he's going to come at some point in the, in the near future when we can have uh, corporate gatherings again. A time to build. A time to build the church. I want to submit this to you. I want you to pray about this. I want you to think about this. I want to I talk to you about where I think that we have the opportunity People were asking when you'd stand up. They were fired up, wondering why, why you weren't standing. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I stand up, I'm going to run, and Jed can't keep up. When we come out of captivity, 400 years of a system that's only this person who come out, the only thing they've ever known is this system. I submit to you tonight that we cannot come out of a system called church and just go back to the system we've only ever known. In the same way, the system being church, is church bad? The answer is yes and no. What do you mean is church bad? (laughs) What? (laughs) Do I believe that what we do in the Bible Belt in modern Christianity called church Do I believe that was the eternal plans and purposes of God and the birth of the church in the book of Acts of chapter 2? I do not believe. I believe we are so far removed from what God's intentional purposes and plans of the church. I don't believe it was ever God's intention that the Sunday morning gathering was the engine that drove the train called church. I don't believe that, that, that pastors should be spending their entire week as production managers preparing for Sunday morning church, and that's what everybody calls church. I don't believe Sunday morning was supposed to be the one-stop shop gas station for everybody to come in, fill up their gas tanks, grab a Snickers, grab some candy bars, and go about their way and do Christianity. I believe that God instituted the church as something different than we've always grown up in 
I also don't hate on the church that I grew up in. I also believe that it was necessary to turn 70 into the multitude. I also believe that God used Egypt for a time to preserve a nation called Israel. And God used church as we know it for a time. But I do believe that over the course of time, that that system became a system of codependency and bondage. So Chester, are you going to say the first time that we can meet together again? We're not going to meet together again? What are you talking about? I'm not talking about necessarily the practical gatherings as much as I am talking about the mindset of Christians in this modern church era. I don't have time to to go deep into it. God's been speaking to me about this. Uh, I, I just want you to hear what I'm saying. Uniquely enough... We've been given this window of time. I'm going to use the word opportunity. God has always advanced the church and the kingdom through two means. One, spiritual awakening, i.e. the day of Pentecost. Or two, through tribulation and trial, i.e. persecution and something akin to what we're facing. The church would spread because of persecution. The church would spread because uh, of revival that would, that would fire people up and they would go out as missionaries. I believe in where we are now is we're finding this opportunity to rethink everything we know about church. Can you have church with banana nut bread, coffee? Can you have church in cars and parking lots? Does it count? Does it count? Yeah. <laughs> Can you have church with an empty building? What, what, I mean, can you have church at 6.30 not have church on that morning? Is that okay in the Bible Belt? Can you do that? Like, we have permission to do to try anything we want to try right now outside of 10 people. We have permission to try anything we want to try right now, and nobody has a problem with it. But the day that this thing ends... Are we going to say all permission to do to go and try to reestablish Book of Acts chapter 2 New Testament church is over? We must go back to what we've always known. Here's what I've seen lately. I've seen people leading their homes. I've seen the ch- as of March 29th there had been more prayer meetings in the sanctuary of Cross Life Church than there had been church services. Maybe his house should be a house of prayer. And maybe, just maybe, it should have been that way the entire time. What are you saying? I don't even know yet. This is why I refuse to give you 2020 a year of a vision I said, we're going to look at a decade because I knew God was going to process us out of what we've always known as church. But I knew it was going to take a decade. If you remember, I would not talk about 2020 the year. I would only talk about the decade of the 20s. And here we are. We've been giving this opportunity. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And here we are with permission 
to do church way differently. I see people checking on their neighbors. I see people leading their homes in prayer. I see people leading their homes in the study of the word. I see people taking communion at home. I see the church being what it was called to be, family first, and the corporate gathering right now is the icing on the cake. I'm afraid that we've, we've created such codependency in the body of Christ that they're at the end of this thing. Some people won't be able to go because they will have shrunk back because they didn't have their weekly fix. I also am very aware that as the nation of Israel left Egypt and went into the wilderness for 40 years, it was hard to transition. And many times they wanted to go back. But what they didn't understand is they wanted to go back to a system that was bondage. We don't see the book of Acts in modern church culture we are powerless compared. I'm not hating on the church. Again, I think, it ser- I, I think it served its purpose for the season, the modern church, I'm saying. But we have to redefine church, and we have to say, do we take this as a launching pad to try to get back to biblical New Testament Christianity called the body of Christ called church, Matt? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm almost, there's almost like a, what, when we come out of this thing, I, I don't want to look the same. You know, and I, and it isn't it isn't a fact. We're not gonna, we're going to have church the first Sunday. We're going to have church. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be kicking. But it's the, it's the mentalities, it's the attitudes. Like I don't want to get set and stuck in those concepts and those ideas. Can we have a corporate gathering but still maintain our humility that we've we've come through in this time? Can we have a corporate gathering and still maintain our love for other people and our desire to serve other people? Can we can we and first. Can the corporate worship experience, instead of being the engine that drives the train, can it be the caboose and, and the, the icing on the cake that we do this merely from a standpoint of celebration, but real church is happening as we take the light out into the darkness? I've never had more vision than I have right now for Cross Life Church and what I see it doing for the city of El Dorado and Union County. But can I tell you, it's way different, and it was way different. When I said that on January, the first Sunday in January, when I said that statement, I'm telling you, my vision is now even more solidified in the fact that, I, that, that at some point could church and the New Testament become the necessary way of church. Yeah. Right now we're seeing that it is. So having said all that, chew on that a little bit. We're going to talk about it more. We're going to talk about it way more. I know I've just taken a dump truck and kind of backed it up into here and just, there you go. But I'm telling you, I cannot help but see the parallels between Passover and their preparation to be delivered from a system they've always known. Not bad. Uh, Ish. Ish. (laughs) See, when Pharaoh, the original Pharaoh with Joseph, he loved Israel he loved Joseph, therefore he loved Israel. But when the next pharaoh rose up, rose up, he saw them as a threat, and, and he began to put slavery upon them. And I'm telling you, I'm not even sure we realize it anymore, but we're 400 years down the road, and we don't even realize we're in bondage to a system that is not founded New Testament. So many traditions. I, I'd love to list out everything we do at church how much is it, is it, is it, is it 
100% backed by the scripture of the New Testament, and how much is it the tradition of man? Because in my mind this morning, when I thought about communion, I thought teeny cup and a little bitty piece of unleavened bread. In my mind, when I think about, um, I mean, name it, name it. Church, it's got to be. I felt weird waking up on a Sunday morning. I felt weird. You think it rocked the kingdom of heaven that we only had church at 6.30 at night on a Sunday? What kind of weird conversation, what kind of twisted, demented conversation is this? I don't know. The book of Acts, the Bible says they met daily, but we're not going to talk about that right now. All right, let's do some prayer requests. Uh, we had a few things here that came up. Um, uh, sorry, just going through here. One was just dealing with, with folks with um, depression, you know, and this side, and anxiety and fear and, um, you know, the seasonal things, like it's the combination of the seasonal stuff that people a lot of times deal with and all that kind of thing, um, dealing with that. Uh, Stacy Daniels, congratulations to her. She just got engaged. Her and Carrie got engaged. But she talked about just prayer for, you know, just homeschooling now. There's a bunch of parents that are now homeschool teachers and, and then also working full-time jobs or working jobs or doing the different things they're doing. And so just peace in those households and that, and that type of thing. So um, if there's anything else, we're just, you know, having, folks haven't mentioned here. We're going to we'll mention Jonesboro. Hey, again, I'm I'm in no way trying to make light of COVID-19. My mom and dad live right outside of Jonesboro, so they have firsthand knowledge of what's going on right there. Unless something just came across the wire while we've been talking, I talked to my dad right before we came on and did this. Nobody that they know of has died because of that tornado. It went through the heart of Jonesboro, where the mall is, restaurants were destroyed, the mall was, if it would have been a typical Saturday night, the restaurants would have been packed, people waiting outside, the mall would have been packed, and this would be a whole different scenario. Am I saying God sent COVID-19? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I'm not, I'm, hear me. All I'm saying is that people weren't there, yeah. and nobody's dead, and for that, I can praise God Amen. that he protected them Amen. in that way, whatever way. Jamie Blackwell, she has an unspoken prayer request and just praying about being back on church on Sunday. She works on Sundays and so not able to do that. Uh, Victoria Fennell is praying for the plant workers around town. They're talking about quarantining and all these different things, so just praying for those. I know that's a, that's a big deal to keep those plants open, and that's a big part of our town. Um, that's what I got so far. So well, Let's just go ahead and pray. Um, like we did last week, if, if, if you read through those comments and, and one of them kind of just jumps off the page at you and you kind of feel like, man, that, one, that one's touching my heart, yeah. I encourage you to send them a personal message and just say, and, and just pray for them. Just write out your prayer or, hey, if you've got their phone number, call them, pray for them, okay? Um, the body should be taking care of itself in this season. When you know of a need, call, check on them, pray for them, do that kind of stuff. But let's just, let's just spend some time in prayer. Holy Spirit, we just come to you right now and we thank you for the ability to lift one another up in prayer. God, we pray right now over the city of El Dorado, over the city uh, uh, 
uh, over Union County. We just pray that as people have jobs, God, we pray that as much as absolutely possible that you would continue the ability for people to continue to, to generate income and take care and provide for their families. God, where there's people out there who are listening and watching and you've been laid off, God, we just pray that you would, uh, that you would consume them right now with supernatural faith to believe that God is the God of provision, yeah. that he provides in every situation, that that uh, he's never seen his children begging for bread. He's never seen his children in lack. I just pray, God, that you would, that you would settle hearts right now, that you are the God who provides. Yeah. I pray, God, for these unspoken requests. God, you know their need. You know what's going on. I pray, God, for people that we know, uh, for Chuck and Gracie Campbell, people we know right now that actually have this disease and who are and, and this virus and who are respiratory system and to their heart to be opened up, to be to pump, God, to, uh, to the air to move freely. God, we just pray right now over their bodies to respond to the word of God and stop responding to the virus. We just pray in the name of Jesus for complete and total access to healing by the blood of the lamb. And God, we thank you for um, people who, we, I just pray right now for heads of homes, mothers, fathers, uh, um, grandmas, grandpas. I pray that the word that we spoke tonight would stir their spirits to rise up and to be the head of their house home right now. God, to not put spiritual things on the back burner, but God, that you would give them a passion and a desire and a zeal to see their family go forward in their spiritual walk with God right now. We just pray for Jonesboro right now, for all the families that are affected up there, and just pray that, that there's just a quick recovery, that even in the midst of all this craziness that's going on, that you would just pour out your grace and mercy. You would just uh, enable people and let that community just rise up up in power over that thing. So we just thank you so much, Lord, for your kindness towards us. Corporate worship without the corporate is tough. <laughs> All right, but I'm looking forward to having you guys back. But right now in your home with your kids, sing. Don't just sing, but worship. Savior has ransomed me. 
Death could 
Life Church was a blessing and encouragement to you. If we can pray for you or help in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.